Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Joining me to break down news of the day, none other than attorney at law and TYT contributor, Ms. Adrienne Lawrence. And in the bullpen, I have Sam Serbo, actress, TV host, and author of Words for Warriors. We will mix it up about critical race theory, mask mandates, and vaccines. All right, hope to get to all of those topics. My first story for today, this person receives the dumbass worker of the year award. FedEx employee who went on social media to violate company policy. He will not deliver to anyone who has a Black Lives Matter sign, a VP Kamala Harris or President Joe Biden. Let's put up a picture of this guy. His name is Vincent Paterno, there he is, racist FedEx driver who could no longer hide his racism, was just oozing out. Went on social media and declared that he would no longer be delivering packages to homes that show support for Black Lives Matter, President Joe Biden or Vice President Kamala Harris. Let's put up his picture again, I'm gonna quote what he said. He said, what's up TikTok? Just wanted to come on here and let you all know if you don't have a flag in front of your house. And if you have a Joe Biden, Kamala effing mm, toe posted up in front of your house, Black Lives Matter, I will not deliver your ish. I will not deliver your ish. I will bring that back to the station, he smirked. And I will keep that, keep doing that ish. Have a good day. Now, I want to remind everyone that this is an individual who will say things like, be an independent thinker. They're trying to control how we think. We should be able to believe what we want to believe without penalty or repercussion. But he's the person who would take his private job, utilize it to discriminate against individuals who have a different political ideology than he has. Now, I wanna remind you, we are no longer talking about politics. I know people say, well, politics has become more tribal than ever. No, it is occultic. It is based now as a form of religion, not just political theory and political practice. It has de-evolved, believe that, this person, um, going on social media is actually not abnormal. We're seeing more and more of this happening on social media where people are deciding to simply let their true colors shine, no pun intended. Uh, 
here's what um, someone said, FedEx spokesperson. We are appalled at the behavior depicted in this video, which does not reflect the views of FedEx. That's it. Okay. Let's put up a picture of this guy again. He wanted to be social media famous. Let's put his picture up. We're going to help him out. Okay, I want you to remember that face. We're going to post this on all of our TYT social media. We're going to post it on the YouTube channel. That's him. He wants to be famous. Listen, anytime I can aid an individual in their life goal, I'm here to do so. Adrian, what are your thoughts about this violation of company policy? You know, he's going to scream that they are violating his right of free speech. He wanted to go on social media and say what he wanted to say. He should be protected because he has the freedom of speech. What do you say about that? Well, unless FedEx has become some kind of government agency, I don't think free speech will apply to him. Yet I'm sure he is one of those individuals who will claim that he is entitled to that First Amendment protection of free speech rights. No, 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 it's not how it works in the private sector. You can speak all you want and you can face repercussions. So I'd really love to know what FedEx is going to do for this gentleman in terms of helping him with unemployment since he shouldn't be employed in a position where he's simply just a courier and he should be delivering the package, just do your job. But instead, he wants to do his racism, and nobody got time for that. Just, you know, it's like going about your business, going about your way, but don't try to work amongst the masses or even be a part of the masses in terms of communities if you want to continue to uphold this racist ideology that is what against Black Lives Matter and all of the other things that happen to show some form of inclusion or recognition of oppression systems. Yeah, and in a way, in a way, FedEx did. Oblige. Um, they fired him, so he does not have to deliver packages to anybody who supports Black Lives Matter anymore. Very sad story. A little girl, eight years of age, killed by the police. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. Killed by cops. Let me give you background to this very sad story. Prosecutors on Monday said four of the five people wounded outside of a high school football game, including an eight-year-old named Fantability, who was killed, were certainly struck by what they are calling responsive gunfire. Okay, the incident occurred in Sharon Hill, a small community of about 5,700 residents. This is north of Philadelphia International Airport. Let's put up a picture of this young beautiful princess who was killed in police fire. The Delaware County DA, attorney Jack Stahlsteimer said Monday that he has asked for an investigation. An investigative grand jury into the August 27th gunfire in Sharon Hill. That claimed the life of eight year old Fanta Billity and wounded four other people. The DA said a group of young males got into a fight that turned into gunfire. This was on August 27th, as spectators were leaving after the game between Pensbury and Academy Park High Schools. Three Sharon Hill officers were positioned opposite of the exit. And as the gunfire broke out, a car turned into the street directly in front of the officers, according to the DA. This is a direct quote from 
Stahlsteimer. Let me read it directly. We have concluded that gunfire combined with the movement of the vehicle precipitated responsive gunfire from the Sharon Hill police officers. Our initial ballistics analysis has concluded with near certainty that four of the five gunshot victims, including this beautiful young princess, were tragically struck by shots fired by the Sharon Hill police officers. We await final forensic reports. So you mean to tell me that the responding officers shot more people than anyone else who may have shot that didn't have a badge. So the people with badges, they show up and literally shoot the crowd. You have to think about this, okay? These people have training, they have insight, they have knowledge of tactical opportunity and know-how. And they shot members of the crowd and killed an eight-year-old girl. The DA said his office is conducting a review of the legality of the weapons discharged by the officers who have been placed on administrative duties. The borough of Sharon Hill has hired a former Philadelphia district attorney to conduct an administrative review of the department's policies and procedures on police use of deadly force. The DA also has requested a judge to impanel a grand jury to aid in the investigation of these cops that use deadly force around a lot of innocent people. Where an eight year old girl put a picture up again. She is no more, she is dead, she is gone. Here's the acting police chief. His name is Richard Heron. The Sharon Hill police chief's number wasn't working on Monday and the department said on his Facebook page that his main lines were still down. Um, Adrian, there's a reason. There's a reason police officers are trained not only on how to shoot and how to target, but also trained when not to shoot because of innocent civilians. As a matter of fact, part of your training includes innocent and then the suspect, an innocent person and the suspect. They pop up in front of you on these training courses so that you know what to do in a shoot, no shoot scenario. Yeah. Obviously, if you have shot a bunch of people, including an eight year old girl, who should have been in a no shoot scenario, uh, there's a problem here because this actually doesn't happen every day. Nope, it doesn't happen every day at all, nor should it. You know, you we give police officers a lot of power and authority, and with that comes responsibility, as we know. And when they enter crowds or places where there could be innocent lives, children, you think that there'd be a lot more thought given before using deadly force, especially given that, as we know, officers, you know, being able to shoot and move and run at the same time, that's some expert tactics that most officers don't have. And so the risk, goes up that someone else will get injured and that's exactly what happened here. And so we have to look at the reasonableness of the situation and it's clearly unreasonable what happened. And now bringing on a former DA with ties, I'm sure, to the community to do the investigation. All we could hope for is that we actually have a conclusion that reflects the fact that this is unreasonable, these actions here and that we see justice be done. Yeah, and it seems as if there will be 
an exhaustive investigation. I was a little concerned about the wording of the DA initially because it sounded as if he was taking somewhat of a stance to protect the, the cops. But then he did request for this grand jury. The prosecutors are looking at this from the angle of policy. There could definitely be a violation of at least policy in the department. But wow, all of those people shot innocent and an eight year old girl dead, all right? Reform, reform, maybe replace. Yeah. All right. There's a woman, an anti masker parent, who wants to see the school building burned down to the ground. Here it is. Again, I have just one little final statement here. Just give me one second. You are violating the US Constitution of the United States. I don't care what mandate the state of Illinois gives. You are violating the rights of these children, the rights of these parents, and your own conscience. If you just pledge to that flag, you are standing against it when you do this masking, this universal stuff to get that money. I'd rather see this school in ashes than to see you sit there with your pockets full while you suffocate our children with diapers on their faces. Not only that, but I have seen these children say to me, to my face, that they're letting us wear it on our chin now. We just have to wear it on our chin, but we gotta put it on when they're So you're teaching them to lie on top of deceiving them into doing something. We are sovereign citizens of the United States of America, and I stand with that flag and the Constitution and the Nuremberg Code that goes with it. You have no power. You have no power to usurp the rights of our children or the authority that we have over our children. And because they're not old enough to speak for themselves, we stand and speak for them. Amen. We the people have had enough. You are a notice. You will all be gone if you don't change your ways right now. Uh, with that, I yield. I mean, I counted two veiled threats. One, obviously burning down the school building. And two, saying you will all be gone, okay? But let me clarify some things this woman said for the record. It is not a constitutional violation to have a mask protocol or mask mandate inside of a school system. As a matter of fact, school system exists typically by the 10th Amendment of the US Constitution, where states can statutorily create governments, and those governments can enact something called administrative law. School boards have the jurisdiction and the legal ability to mandate vaccination requirements to enter into the school system, teacher credentialing requirements to become a certified teacher, what their pass fail matrix will look like, and a boatload of other things like enforcing dress codes, etc. These are administrative policies, also known as administrative law. There is no constitutional violation whatsoever. It is fascinating to me that they continue to make extreme arguments. There's no diaper on the face, it's a mask, it is a face mask. And these kids are not doing what the parents are doing. Believe me, if kids wanted to revolt against the face mask, kids will be fighting in schools, not the parents. But you see the parents fighting. And using their kids as the cover, a damn shame. Adrian, thoughts? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of using their children as a cover for them to essentially exercise their political beliefs. And it's unfortunate because as we see, there's been a spike in children being admitted to ERs and hospitals because of the COVID-19 vaccine. Yet these parents are so incredibly losing their ish 
by virtue of simply trying to keep these children from being infected and harmed. It just it really speaks to the fact that we do need greater education across the United States outside of our schools. But when you have parents essentially engaging in this nonsense and tomfoolery, what you're seeing and what the consequences will be is less educated people. You know, it seems like it's happened over the decades and we're seeing the product of it now from these parents. And remember, we always in this country we always do things specifically to protect children, okay? She says, "Oh, these children have constitutional rights. They have some, children have some constitutional rights. They do not have all of the constitutional rights. They do not have the right to bear arms. There, there's a limitation for the protection, the general welfare of others. And it's amazing to me that the same people who will argue that school systems are violating the Constitution with a mask mandate are the same people who were okay with a vaccination mandate. Polio, tetanus, and others. They were okay with that. No issue there. And this shows you it's not about the mandate, it's about the politics behind it, which has created a level of occultism. Because once this thing became politicized, they had no intellectual integrity as it relates to what they're talking about. If you believe a mask is government intrusion, why do you not believe vaccine requirements is a government intrusion? You already have vaccine requirements in school. Why are you not making that an issue? Why don't you believe that a dress code requirement is government intrusion? It is an administrative policy set forth by that school system. So I'm looking at the irony here. Adrian, I try to say it as many times as I can because there are always new people listening. But don't you see the great irony and making the argument that a mask mandate is unconstitutional when all of these other mandates obviously to them are? Oh, without question, yep. And it's so interesting because it's it's a mixture of irony and to some extent hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Because I've been saying since day one, when people would fight businesses for being forced to wear masks when they're patronizing the businesses, give me a break. Businesses have forever had no shoes, no shirt, no service. What's That's the difference right. with a mask? And also this thought that hey. As a citizen, that you control businesses, schools, all of these things, when you've been living your life in a system that helps protect you by essentially requiring everyone around you get vaccinated, so on and so forth. So it's just, it's so incredibly sad and ignorant, and it's going to get people killed. Yep. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. Welcome back. We got a lot of comments, before I go to the comments, let me remind you um, on the conversation Wednesday, you don't wanna miss it. Senator Nina Turner interviews Jeremy Corbyn, boom. Really that's enough said, you know what I mean? September 29th, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 2.30 p.m. Pacific Time. You can always catch it at tyt.com slash live. And don't forget following Indisputable, the big homie Jordan Yule. Deep dive, that's a Twitch exclusive, twitch.tv slash TYT, make sure to check that out. All right, let me read some of these comments. TYT member, next reporter, next TYT reporter. These are the same people who say Colin Kaepernick shouldn't be protesting on his job, boom. Cray Cray Souffle, this FedEx guy soon going to be a FedEx guy. <laughs> <laughs> Let the countdown begin. Kelly O'Hara, <clears throat> the poet, 
Nine, with a full life ahead on her way home and off to bed. Young and innocent, a threat to none, yet somehow still she's dead by a gun. Bang, bang, it's the last sound she heard. Let this not be the final word, hashtag her name was Fanta. Thank you for that, Kelly. YouTube Super Chat, Peter Hamby, package racism, mail to unemployment line, delivery set <laughs> from the Haiku Dragon. Um, Charles Lee, Joseph Massey III, I finally got to see the debate with Charlie Kirk and Charlie's face transformed into Tucker Carlson's dumbfounded look when bludgeoned by the fact smackdown. Hashtag fat down, well played, sir. Well, thank you for that. I enjoyed my hour and 42 minute debate with Charlie Kirk. He was trying. I mean, we were supposed to do an hour, and then he said, Hey, can you debate about this? Yep. Can you debate about this? Yes. Can you debate about this? Yes. What else you got? And it was really interesting to give you some behind the scenes. So when I got there, I had I had one sheet of paper, right? And so when I get there, um, the producer says, Where's your notes? I said, okay, I got my notes right here. I put up my one sheet of paper. And she said, oh, well, let me give you, let me hand you this. It was like a folder or something. And when I got to the studio, Charlie had like a desk full of printed out material. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and anyway, it was quite interesting. If you watch the debate, you see all of his papers in front of him. All that right. tells you he wasn't, he had no expertise. Yeah, he, he was shuffling through those papers during the entire debate. All right, Omega Shinron Dragon, she def was that mom hovering over her adult kids, yeah? Jeffrey Ritchie Dragon, I got my Karen detection shirt today. I can't wait to wear it out. Yes, I wish a Karen Wood tees are available right now. ShopTYT.com, it is a great, great way to spot a Karen. Anyone who is offended by your shirt is a Karen. It works perfectly. All right, uh, Trudy Lawrence, late getting my tea to get the tea from Dr. Richie. Always a good show. If you want service, I'll put on the mask. That's right. Um, we got so many. Um, Halkin Break, Dr. Richie and Adrian, indisputable. Uh, Devil Dog Dragon, Adrian Law and Order Dragon Lawrence. And Dr. Shot, indisputable Dragon Richie. That is so kind. Um, Twitch. Marovina, oh Adrian, you look lovely today. She looks lovely every day. Thank you. Izzy underscore Omega. Um, so their story is that a car moves, so killing an eight-year-old girl is fine. That's what this story is right now. Investigation pending. Um, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel free.
Okay, let me give you the background. Obviously, they're on the subway. The Karen here did physically strike the young black male first. And he had groceries um, on him. Well, she continued to assault this young black male. And anytime I see something like this, just personally, I always have a level of mixed feelings. Because this is still a woman, but the woman did assault the young man, okay? Let's be very clear about the engagement of what happened. After that, this Karen decided to attack another black male who had nothing to do with the initial altercation. As a matter of fact, you can argue that he was trying to stop the initial altercation. She then decides to attack him. Now, I pondered on this for a minute. I said, why would she randomly attack the other black guy? You can clearly see they are very different. They look different, they have different heights, they're different. I think to this Karen, they look the same, okay? That's what I believe. And then as the young male who was involved in the initial altercation was trying to get off the train, trying to leave the situation, she grabs him, she then rips his groceries out of his hand. Now, I'm not saying it was right for him to douse her with, I don't know, maybe milk or water. Um, but that move at the end where she was yelling and the, the milk or the water was flowing, um, I laughed at that, it was funny to me. Okay, uh, Adrian, uh, what are your thoughts here? Uh, I definitely feel bad for the man with the groceries as someone who has lived in New York City and knows what it's like to go down to the local bodega or finally yep. find a grocery store and then to carry them on mass transportation during a pandemic and you touch my groceries, I swear it's all over. It's a wrap, the day's over. But on top of that, her behavior, absolutely absurd. I know we have this kind of, I'm just gonna go ahead and call it antiquated belief system, the thought that oh, you should never hit a woman. No, I don't subscribe to that. I think the weaker party or the party with less physical power power should not be striking and hitting someone else, regardless of what the gender is. But if someone does attack you, you have every reason and right to defend yourself. And that seems to be what is happening here in this video. Because otherwise, we'd see smaller people, typically women, just going rogue and smacking people and individuals having no recourse. This woman here attacked that man and then decided to attack another man. Get out of here with that. Yeah, and what was interesting about the, the second guy she attacked, you know, he picked up his things. He just got off the train. He got off the train. And let me tell you where that comes from. There's always this sentiment, especially with black men. I'm, I've been a black person and a black male um, since I've been uh, born, and a black man since I was about 27. That's a whole different background. Um, I did not become a man until I was about 27 because I learned how to take responsibility. So the issue of this man running away, running away was because he knew or at least he believed that if somebody called the police 
and police came on that subway, who do you think is gonna get guns pulled on them? He is, he's involved in an altercation. There's a white woman screaming, there are groceries on the ground. There are people running away, he's going to be in trouble. Or at least that, that's what he believed. Um, but that's, that's the reality of the world we live in, right? Yeah. That is it, yep, that power of white women's tears. It makes you have to walk away even when you're the victim. Yep. This was a horrific story of a young black 16 year old male applying for a job at Michaels. Okay, that was probably the first mistake. He's applying for a job at Michaels and somebody just assumes he's a criminal. And they call the police on this guy who's trying to get a job at the store. Let me give you the background. Um, 16 year old individual in Minnesota was arrested for trespassing when applying for a job at Michaels. According to CBS affiliate WCCO, a Minnesota Department of Human Rights Investigation has determined that the Brooklyn Center Police Department and Michael Stores Inc. violated the state's civil rights laws for racial discrimination. This incident happened in 2019, took them a while to investigate. Involving the profiling of a 16 year old black young man and the use of excessive force by the police. According to the Department of Human, Human Rights, the then 16 year old was applying for a job at the Michaels at Shingle Creek Crossing, March of 2019. When a white manager with a history of racially profiling black customers called the police on him. Now remember, this report is coming directly from the government. This is what the government is saying the narrative is. The DHR says it will seek structural change through a settlement agreement with the Brooklyn Center Police and Michaels, as well as monetary relief for the then 16 year old. So let me tell you how this ended up going down because this 16 year old stood up for himself, okay? And I'm proud of him for doing so. A manager, a white woman, also unnamed, called 911 to report that a black kid with dreadlocks was going through the store playing with the balls, kicking stuff off shelves, mm -hmm. and that he wouldn't leave after repeatedly being asked to do so. Surveillance video, however, shows the teenager did juggle a few items, but put them back. While another store employee testified that he was not acting out of the norm and there was no reason to call the police on him. The teen did leave as requested, but re-entered in protest and said, wait a minute, something is wrong here. You all told me to leave because I'm black. He came back and protested his dismissal. So the manager had somebody call 911. 911 comes, the police come. They arrived seconds after the 911 call was placed. And one of the officers found the teenager shopping at a different store. He approached the teenager and reached to grab his arm saying, come here, man. The teen stepped back. 
put up his hands and said, don't touch me. The officer later, later testified that raising one's hands up is an assaultive posture demonstrating resistance. So naturally he gets locked up, okay? Another officer then entered the store and together they threw the teenager to the ground, grabbed and pulled him by his dreadlocks, put a knee to his back and handcuffed him according to the investigative report. The teenager while on the ground cried out, don't kill me, I want to grow up. One officer replied, maybe you should stop fighting the police. Nobody said it was fighting the cops. The team was taken to the hospital after he was jerked around. Um, he was charged with disorderly conduct, trespassing and obstructing a legal process. The young man went to Michaels to apply for a job and all of this happened to him. He is now going to get a settlement. After reviewing body cams, it was found the officers also lied on their official reports saying the young man had fought with them, there was no fight. Video camera says no fight, witnesses say no fight. And because they have refused to give us the names of these officers, let's put up their boss. I told you we have a game that we play where if I can't find the cop, we put your boss front and center. This is the police chief, Tony Grunig, he's the guy in charge. The buck stops with him. Adrian, young no, man is going to get a settlement. No, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money you give to people when you are violating their civil rights. It's there are things that money can't buy. That's right. And that feeling of degradation, the fact that you can't even apply for a job, that people are willing to lie on you, to call the police, to throw you into the justice system that's gonna funnel you into further complications throughout your life. They are compromising this individual's entire future just so that they can enact racism and how essentially the police were a party to this. And the fact that Michaels, you know, I would like to see more from them, especially since they knew that this manager had a history of essentially racial profiling guests. Like it's, this is an entire setup. I really hope that Michaels does pay out of the nose. But the fact is that this young man, his life will never be the same and neither will his outlook on the world. Yeah, and it's an unfortunate introduction to adults. It really is. All right, we have more on the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, it's indisputable. Let me read some of the comments. Potion seller, now I wanna hear what 18 to 26 year old Rashad was like. I bet you would, really it's before 18, it's really fascinating, okay? All right, uh, YouTube super chat, barrel age millennial. <laughs> I remember lawsuits in the HIV AIDS days from individuals knowingly spreading it, COVID is different. But do you see potential lawsuits for COVID? That is definitely an Adrian question. Oh, absolutely. I think there will be potential lawsuits, but the problem would be if showing that that individual in particular had transmitted the virus to you. So you'd have to be mm. in a very enclosed environment to show that level of causation that would be required to essentially pinpoint someone else. But I believe it's going to happen without question. Yep. You just reminded me of some of my law school training, causation, proximity, all of that good stuff. Um, Bernie the Kiwi Dragon, I wish the I wish a Karen Wood t-shirt doubled as a Karen radar, that it would light up, vibrate or change color whenever a Karen is about to act up. You just gave our team an idea. <laughs> Ton Takoria, or Takoria, I'm sorry, I'm trying to say it right. Forgive me if I've slaughtered it. Personally, I think man or woman doesn't matter. If you hit someone, you get hit back, it shouldn't matter. 
That's true equality. Uh, Francine Wilson, I love your channel. We love you back and we appreciate you saying that. I said, oh, I wish Karen Wood in the grocery store last week when a Karen said without cause, she wanted to slap my mask off my face. <laughs> Yikes. Damn. Uh, let me remind you of Senator Nina Turner and her interview with Jeremy Corbyn. That's on the conversation, that's Wednesday. And you need to be there September 29th, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 2.30 p.m. Pacific Time. You can check that out at tyt.com slash live, all right? Following Indisputable, we got Deep Dive with Jordan Yule, twitch.tv slash tyt. Let me get to these comments. Mickey C, the silver-haired dragon. Uh, this woman is so in love that she phones in a bomb threat, how nice. And what is she capable of if she thinks her boyfriend is screwing around on her, even if unproven? <laughs> um, Chadora, Dr. Richard hit the nail on the head. These companies are supposed to be woke. They're supposed to be better, fair, ethical, but in practice, they are not. Yep. YouTube Super Chat, Larry Harris. I was told I was too old to work at Google. I was only 30, certified computer tech also, yeah. Um, I think this is Luann, why did they take his ID badge? The whole point of the badge is to prove he works there. Security should just look at the badge and then tell him to have a nice day. Not detain him, what BS, yeah. Geetwood Mac, we need that Rashad origin story. I'm sure you'll get it at some point. A woman calls 911. The cops arrive and they shoot her, yep. She gets shot by the police that she called because she's a victim of a crime. Um, this was a suspected break in. The uh, black female caller was not committing any acts of crime. Let me give you background. Uh, police shot a woman in the shoulder. This happened in Southern California after they kicked in her door. Hearing noises inside following her 911 call to report an armed man in her apartment. The woman was treated for non-life threatening, a non-life threatening gunshot wound after the shooting in the city of Riverside, east of LA. She called 911 around 2.15 PM, but initially said she did not know the armed man and was evasive with the dispatcher before the call was suddenly disconnected. Officers found a backpack with a handgun inside on top of a bush beneath the woman's second story apartment balcony. The Riverside Police Department said in a news release Friday, they knocked on her apartment door and announced themselves asking for the woman to come outside. She did not answer, but police could hear noises inside and an officer kicked in the door. Now there's a reason she did not answer, okay? Reason Bingham Jr., who was later identified as the woman's 29 year old boyfriend, had allegedly been using physical force to prevent the woman from opening the door for police. He was arrested on suspicion of false imprisonment, weapons violations, and a violation of parole. We have no information of these cops being held accountable or any type of actions, but once again, they shot the wrong person. She could have died, she could be dead right now. And the person who broke in, not. Here's the police chief 
Uh, Larry V. Gonzalez is the chief of police for that agency. Um, Adrian, just imagine being a victim of a crime, calling 911 to then be victim again, to be victimized with a gunshot in your shoulder. Now, thankfully she's alive and she will recover, but damn, that's, a, that's still a, a bullet in your body. That's gonna stay with you. Absolutely, a little bit of trauma as well. You know, the fact that you reach out to an agency, you reach out to people for help because you are afraid and scared, and then you have to be afraid of those individuals that are supposed to be there to protect and to serve you. It's it's an unfortunate aspect of our system, and unfortunately, it it essentially befalls black and brown people in a disparate impact type of way. You know, it just it just reminds me a lot of feeling that sense of fear of what if I call the police. Who is going to create a bigger threat for me, this ongoing assailant or the potential law enforcement officers? And I just, I really feel for this woman. Let me tell you the decision that black and brown folks have to make every day in America. They want to call the police because something is police worthy, okay? But they also know that if 911 shows up, their lives could change forever, that something could go wrong that someone could overreact. And so you have a hesitancy in many communities as it relates to 911. Because as we see in this situation and with the eight year old girl who was killed, police arrive and they make the situation worse. Let's not act as if they made it better. These cops made it worse. Okay, um, listen, if, if my significant other loves me this much, I don't need this love at all. There's a woman who allegedly wanted to spend more time with her boo. So she called in a bomb threat to her boyfriend's job so that he could spend more time with her. Uh, Let's put up a picture. Her name is Kaylee Blake. That's Miss Blake. The allegation is that Miss Blake called Maine State Police and told them she was going to place a bomb at the Puritan Medical Products in Pittsville, Maine. She called again two hours later saying she was going to put four pipe bombs near the facility. State cops got in touch with Pittsville Police as well as Somerset and Penobscot County deputies. They tracked the call to this Um, to a town of Etna and they found this woman, Miss Blake, after interviewing people in the neighborhood. Now, I have the pause on this moment because they didn't know exactly where the call came from. They could track it to a particular community. How in the hell did everybody in the neighborhood know it was her? They knew who it was based on their conversations with neighbors, okay? She faces a count of felony terrorizing and was held in the county jail in lieu of a $1,500 bail. If released, she has to stay away from the company's property and cannot contact them. Um, Adrian, now there's some who will say, hey, that's the kind of love I'm talking about. I don't know who those some are, but I want them to stay very far away from me. You know, the fact that the neighbors knew 
exactly who this person is. That tells you that she's been up to something before. Like this woman, she's built a little name for herself. And this is something that sounds like it's right up her alley. And I'm dying to know how her boyfriend feels, if he thinks this is flattering or if he's gotten a restraining order. I really don't know, but I definitely want this person to stay very far from me. Yeah, well, you know, this may this may have been the proof he needs to yeah. know that this woman really loves him. And she's she could be single now, so if anybody's <laughs> interested in this kind of, you know, <laughs> hey, there you go. All right, uh, let me go to Google. Google got some explaining to do. Black Google product manager was stopped by security on the campus at work because they did not believe he worked there. Let's put up a picture of Angel Anua. There he is. Angel shared what happened on Twitter. Here's what Angel said. Riding my bike around Google's campus, remember, he's a manager there. And somebody called security on me because they didn't believe I was an employee. Had to get escorted by two security guards to verify my ID badge. Angel would go on to say, a lot of people keep DMing me asking for the full story. They ended up taking my ID badge away from me later that day. And I was told to call security if I had a problem with it. And that was after holding me up for 30 minutes, causing me to miss my bus ride home. Wow, there's another one. This was really interesting. There's another tweet. This was a response on the Twitter thread and it says, I was on lunch in one of the micro kitchens. We're talking about on Google campus. I was on lunch in one of the micro kitchens. My radio goes off like, hey Al, when you get off of lunch, can you head over to the second floor micro kitchen? A Googler <laughs> just reported a suspicious individual in that area. I spent an hour looking for myself. They were reporting on him. Being the suspicious person, wow. Uh, Google has been criticized for its diversity challenges in the past. In 2018, The Root reported on the company's struggles to keep black talent. In December of last year, a black woman said she was fired from the tech giant after speaking out against racism. Later that month, another black woman took to Twitter to announce her firing from the company. April Christina Curley outlined how racist Google's hiring practices were and said her efforts to recruit black talent from HBCUs were often met with resistance. Now, this is really quite unbelievable to me because the man had an ID. He had a work badge, he's on the campus. They spot him on the campus, he gets the police called on him or the security. And security escort him out, take his badge and tell him if you got a problem, take it up with others. What's going on at Google, Adrian? Oh, this is great institutionalized racism. Like the fact is that it's really Google is communicating that even if you work here, you still don't belong here. And that seems to very much be the message. And the fact that the security guards felt completely entitled to 
continue to perpetuate their slights and microaggressions and racism in this instance because they knew that nothing would happen to them. That management would not come down on them for this behavior and this mistreatment of this black man. So this really says how Google operates. And the thing is, I've heard this, this is very common among the tech giant world. But the thing is, we have to remember where there is racism, there is sexism. Which is also why yeah. we see in so many tech arenas, including Google, that they have issues with women and the way in which they treat individuals who are cis or who are not cisgender hetero norm. Yeah, and these spaces typically are supposed to be more woke than the average corporation. And they are part of different seminars. They will have representatives come to various engagements and events to talk about diversity in the workplace, to talk about innovation, to talk about how they are changing the game. And recruiting from HBCUs and making these long lasting partnerships. But then in practice, Adrian, in practice, we continue to see a significant disconnect between the rhetoric and reality. When is that yeah. gonna change? Even with the Black Lives Matter movement, they didn't cash in. They didn't do what they said they were going to do, making all of these massive promises to contribute to the movement. Well, we have to ask ourselves, when are we going to stop you know, doing this window dressing tap dance to pretend mm. we actually care about diversity, to pretend we want to eliminate the oppression system that is racism, sexism, homophobia, and so on. Because it's a lot of these entities are out here, they're really just, again, window dressing and just pretending that they are actually doing something, but they are maintaining the oppressive power structures that have continued to elevate them and put them in positions of power. Very well said, Adrian, always a pleasure having you on Indisputable. Tell people how they can purchase your book and follow you on social media. All right, so you can get my book, Award Winner, Staying in the Game, the playbook for beating workplace sexual harassment. You can get it in the TYT shop as well as Amazon, anywhere you wanna purchase books, your local bookstore. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Adrian Law and on Instagram at Adrian Lawrence. Always a pleasure, thank you, Adrian. Thank you. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.